The hosts of the Real Life Wellness Podcast are not licensed medical doctors, and this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice or any form of professional therapy, nor is it intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any illness or condition. All content and information in this podcast is created for informational purposes only. Please seek medical attention for matters relating to your health and never disregard the advice of a medical professional or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this podcast. Welcome to the Real Life Wellness Podcast with Mary Preston and Kisa Amaro, where we talk about different ways to integrate healthier habits into your life. Welcome back, guys. I'm Kisa Amaro, certified health coach, and I work with moms to help them get control of their food cravings so that they can maintain a healthy weight without deprivation or complicated meal plans. Hey, Kisa, and I am Mary Preston, and I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a life coach, and I am the founder of the Goodbye Burnout for Healthcare Professionals program. I help healthcare professionals reverse their burnout using my three-phase goodbye burnout process. Uh, so if that sounds like you after the podcast, head over to the show notes to find the link to set up a clarity call with me to see if the program is for you or if you know you are 100% without a doubt committed to making the changes necessary to reverse the burnout in your life. Just click the link to sign up for the goodbye burnout program. And awesome. Yeah, sweet. And you know, if you're not ready for that, I also have a free saying goodbye to burnout free Facebook group that you can look for and all of those links will be in the show notes. Nice. Um, and so if you have questions about any of the programs, the podcast, anything about health and wellness in general, definitely come join us in the Real Life Wellness Podcast with Mary and Kisa Facebook group. Yes. Yeah, Do yeah. it. Do it. All mm -hmm. right. On to our topic of the day, which is one of my favorite topics, managing burnout. Awesome. So in this episode, we will define burnout, talk about the difference between burnout and compassion fatigue, and give you some strategies to start feeling better right away. And Mary is an expert in this, so she's going to do most of the talking in this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> so if you wonder, I'm still here. I'm just listening. <laughs> <laughs> she's here, I promise. So today we're going to talk about the signs of burnout and I'm sure you've all heard of burnout. And then I'm going to also explain the difference between burnout and something called compassion fatigue, uh, which is a special kind of burnout that can surface in helping professionals. And those are people like nurses, physicians, veterinarians, teachers, therapists, any healthcare professional, anybody who is in a place where they are helping other humans for their work, for their work. Um, and what I want for you is to understand the myriad ways that burnout can show up in our lives. Some might seem obvious and some might surprise you. So first, let's talk about what is burnout, really, right? Because we've all heard of it, but let's get a definition. Burnout is a state of chronic stress caused by your job that leads to physical and emotional exhaustion, cynicism and detachment, feelings of ineffectiveness, and a lack of accomplishment. So we'll go over those in a moment. But what I want to say is burnout doesn't come on all of a sudden. It slowly creeps up on you. You know, one day you're like that fresh-faced intern. Kisa, you remember graduating from college, right? And you're like, yeah, yeah first job. I'm going to change everybody's life. Right? You're full of energy. You're going to help everyone. You're like spending all your hours researching, like how to help your patients. And then the next thing you know, you are constantly irritated with all humans. You dread getting up for work in the morning 
and the only joy you find is complaining about work over a bottle of wine with coworkers or binge watching Netflix with a bag of chips in your lap. Sound familiar? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I, I'm sure we've all experienced this to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. So let's go over a list of the common signs of burnout. And again, we'll go over the difference between burnout and comp- compassion fatigue later. So um, I provided for you a checklist to print and refer to. And if you're a visual person, you can go print that out first and we'll go through it. Um, otherwise, you can just like download it later. But I, I do recommend you print it out. Um, Because what I want you to do is check off any of these symptoms that you're experiencing. And it's a really good way to go through this checklist periodically. So that way you can keep an eye on how you're doing, right? Because we're all going to feel some of these symptoms to some degree at times, because, you know, the jobs we do are challenging. We work with people that depend on us. Um, And also those moms in the crowd, right? Like you're, you're also helping people. They just happen to be your child, right? (laughs) Right? So you're not exempt from this. Do this checklist. You might be feeling burnt out from the job of motherhood. That's a possibility as well. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So we're all going to feel some of these symptoms to some degree because what we're doing is challenging and we work with people that depend on us, but you shouldn't be feeling all of the symptoms all of the time. Right. right. So that's a sign that you need to start doing some serious acts of self-care and maybe seeking out the support of a professional. So the first sign, right? Physical and emotional exhaustion. And this can show up as chronic fatigue. So on each of these, I'm going to go through, there's like two ends of the spectrum, right? And so there's chronic fatigue. It could just be like a little bit of a lack of energy, feeling tired most days. As time goes on, you start to feel physically and emotionally exhausted, drained, depleted. You might feel a sense of dread for what lies ahead on any given day. I was talking to somebody the other day who was like, I, you know, all I want is when my friends call me and say, hey, do you want to go get dinner? I want to have the energy to say yes, right? She just never has that energy. She's so exhausted. Um, Another one is insomnia, right? So two sides of the spectrum, right? You might just have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep one or two nights a week. And in the latter stages, if it's not getting better, it can turn into a persistent nightly ordeal. And as exhausted as you are, you just can't sleep. Mm -hmm forgetfulness or impaired concentration and attention. This one showed up for me a lot. (laughs) And, um, you know, I used to think I had ADHD and I think a lot of it was actually, you know, anxiety paired with this. Um, so lack of focus and mild forgetfulness are easy early signs. Sorry, let me say that again. Lack of focus and mild forgetfulness are early signs. And then later, the problems may get to the point where you can't get your work done at all. Everything begins to pile up. Your progress notes pile up. Um, You may start to have physical symptoms. So these can actually include, right? Pay attention to this. It could include chest pain, heart palpitations, shortness of breath. You could have gastrointestinal pain, dizziness, fainting, and or headaches, right? All of these should be medically assessed for sure. Um, but do know that, you know, if these things are coming on more and more often, the one thing to look at is how burnt out am I at work? Increased illness. This happens to so many of my friends who don't take vacations because your body is totally depleted. You're exhausted. You're not sleeping. Your immune system becomes weakened. So you're more vulnerable to like infections, colds, flus, other immune related medical problems. You know, um, I don't know if you can, you can think of, but usually at the workplace, there's always the one person who's super exhausted and just anytime a cold comes through, 
they get it and they get it really bad. Mm -hmm. Loss of appetite. So in the early stages, you might not feel hungry. You might skip a few meal, meals. And in the latter stages, you might just totally lose your appetite altogether, begin to lose a significant amount of weight. Um, that's another one if that's happening to you. Like if you're just like zero appetite, um, that's something to definitely go talk to a medical professional about. Anxiety. So anxiety is worry, right? You might experience mild symptoms of like tension, worry, edginess. But then as you get closer to burnout, the anxiety becomes so serious that it interferes in your ability to work productively and may cause problems in your personal life. That was another one that I experienced really strongly. Depression. So early stages, you might feel mildly sad, occasionally hopeless, may experience feelings of guilt and worthlessness. But at its worst, you might feel like, uh, you ever have that feeling of being trapped, mm -hmm. severely depressed, the world would be better off without you. And again, if your depression is to that point that you're thinking about whether or not it's so hopeless that the world might be better without you, please seek professional help. Yeah. Um, and then anger. At first, it might present as like interpersonal tension and irritability. But in the latter stages, this might turn into angry outbursts, serious arguments at home and in the workplace. And if it gets to the point where it turns to thoughts or acts of violence towards family or coworkers, again, seek immediate professional assistance. And a lot of these, you know, when you're getting to that, you know, that um, more intense end of the spectrum, you know, I think it's a sign that it's time to stop trying to do things on your own and maybe get some support from a professional because mm -hmm. a lot of these as well. Right. So that second piece to it is signs of cynicism and detachment. So if you're losing enjoyment in your work, and it could seem mild, like you don't want to go to work, you're just kind of eager to leave at the end of the day, <laughs> which I think a lot of us experience, like, especially like I remember being in the school system, like I think we all got that towards yeah. like second half of the school year, right? It's like, oh, right. like I kind of just want to be home instead of being at school. Yeah. But without intervention, you know, this can start to extend to all areas of your life, including the time you spend with family and friends. And at work, you might try to avoid projects, figure out ways to escape work altogether. Time to take a look at what's going on. Pessimism. So at first, this might present itself as negative self-talk, moving from a glass half full to a glass half empty. But at its worst, this can really move beyond how you feel about yourself and extend, extend to trust issues with like coworkers, family members, a feeling that you can't count on anybody, right? Your patients yeah. are all terrible and out to get you. Um, isolation. And so, you know, we talk a lot about introverting and mm -hmm. this is a little different, right? So in the early stages, it looks like being an introvert. It's just kind of like mild resistance to socializing. You don't really want to go out to lunch. You just keep your door closed occasionally to keep everybody out of your room or your office. But in the later stages, you might become angry when someone speaks to you. You might come in early, leave late to avoid talking to anybody. And the last one in, in this part is detachment. So it's a general sense of feeling disconnected from others or from your environment. And I hated this one. It takes the form of the isolative behaviors we just talked about. And it results in removing yourself emotionally and physically from your job and other responsibilities. So like you start to call in sick really often, you stop returning calls and emails, you regularly come in late, right? You just kind of completely detach yourself from work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the third category is signs of ineffectiveness and lack of accomplishment. And this one feels terrible. 
So this is feelings of apathy and hopelessness. So it's similar to what's described in the depression and pessimism sections, right? It presents as a general sense that nothing is going right, nothing matters. And as it gets worse, they become kind of immobilizing, right? Like, what's the point? Nothing's ever going to get better. Right. Then we have increased irritability. So it stems from feeling ineffective, unimportant, useless, and an increasing sense that you're not able to do things as efficiently or effectively as you once did. And Mm -hmm. in early stages, it can interfere in personal and professional relationships. At its worst, it can actually destroy relationships and careers. Um, And this one, a lot of times, maybe it doesn't always show up in work because we try to hold it together in our professional lives. But um, a lot of times this one shows up at home, right? It's like I come home and I take out all of my irritability on my husband. Mm -hmm. something to take a look at. And then the last one is lack of productivity and poor performance. So despite long hours, chronic stress prevents you from being as productive as you once were. And that often results in incomplete projects and ever growing to do list. Sometimes (laughs) it's as hard as you try. You can't climb out from under the pile. Yeah. You ever experienced any of those (laughs) cases? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. As you were going along, uh, describing them. The chronic fatigue was definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, and then physical symptoms as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I used to get tension headaches all the time. Yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And then just, you know, like the loss of enjoyment. Yeah. And that you yeah. spent all of your money going to college mm-hmm. to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Increased irritability. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. Maybe just a little bit. I don't think, I don't think I was too irritable, but I think just like the little things annoyed me versus Mm -hmm. like, usually I could just like brush them off. Right. But it's just like the little things that got to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I started noticing it when we were at the end of CrossFit, like we do our stretching after every class. And I just remember like both of us complaining constantly about our jobs. (laughs) Oh, goodness. And then probably at the very end, the lack of productivity and poor performance. Yeah. Maybe. (laughs) Should I admit that? (laughs) Feels like it at times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you get so stressed out, you can't even pay attention and like you feel like you can't get anything done. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to put your best foot forward when you are irritable or depressed or tired, you know, like those things. Absolutely. And then like you end up taking work home, right? Then you're just like, oh, well, I've got this pile of work and I'm never going to finish it at at work. So then you bring it home and you're exhausted and it just like- Just sits there. On your, right? (laughs) It just sits there and then you feel guilty. And then all night you think about this paperwork that you should have been doing. Mm -hmm. And so like mentally you're you're just exhausting yourself all night. And it's just kind of this this cycle- that happens, yeah. right? Because then you've been awake all night thinking about this work you were supposed to be doing, and then you're just exhausted again in the morning. Tired. Yep. Yeah. And then we drink coffee and energy drinks to stay awake because we're so exhausted. And that does not help you sleep, my friends. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> does not. Does it not. does not. Nope. Um, so that's burnout, right? And so I told you that I was going to tell you the difference between burnout and compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in any kind of helping profession, you are in a position to experience what is termed compassion fatigue. And so okay. this is a combination of burnout, right? Which is caused by your job, 
which is like too much paperwork, difficult patients or clients or students or children, (laughs) (laughs) right? Not being supported by the administration, right? Like you, you go tell them that you're having a hard time and they basically tell you to suck it up, right? Or working too many hours, right? Those are all work-related things that come from the workplace that you're in or, or from the career that you're in. And so Mm -hmm. that usually is a cause of burnout. But compassion fatigue is a combination of that and what's called secondary traumatic stress. And some call it vicarious trauma. There's like a couple of different terms that you call it. Okay. Um, But all of those things are different terms to describe what happens when you experience trauma secondhand. So for example, um, I'm a therapist, right? And so part of healing for clients is that they come in in the office and they tell me their trauma, right? They tell me the full story. And in my brain, my brain doesn't know the difference, right? Because brains don't know. So it's basically like I'm kind of vicariously going through that traumatic experience. And so it's not obviously as traumatic as when they went through it the first time, right? But it's a secondary traumatic stress. And so it's just a little bit less intense, but it exists. Another example is like a nurse who's the first to accept a gunshot victim at the emergency room, right? So they're not the one experiencing the trauma of the gunshot, but they are there supporting the victim. Mm -hmm. Or a doctor who is charged with explaining to family that their loved one just passed away, right? So it's the family that's going through the trauma, but it's the doctor is also experiencing a secondary type of trauma. Mm -hmm. It also includes like veterinarians. I love our veterinarians. Um, you know, like they may witness the death of one of their patients. Um, people are not very nice to veterinarians, right? It's like, I bring my dog to you and you're supposed to fix it Mm -hmm. and they're still in pain. And, um, there's a lot of problems with, um, you know, patients of veterinarians giving the veterinarian a lot of stress and trauma. Mm -hmm. Then also another example is like a pharmacist, right? Who's on the receiving end of the tirade of someone who was prescribed, dangerously interacting drugs. It's not their fault, but the patient themselves is going through a trauma in the Mm -hmm. moment and they're the person who's helping them through it. And so it's this secondary trauma, right? Like you're around it, you're experiencing it in a secondary way. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Awesome. Um, So that shows up in all kinds of ways and secondary traumatic stress. It just like creeps up slowly over time, right? Because it's not just one secondary trauma, there's like another one and another one. And another way that actually that, that we, we feel the effects of secondary traumatic stress is watching the news over and over and over again. You know, like those, um, when there's like a mass shooting, right? There was the other day. And then the news plays every little piece of it. And, you know, part of the pull is there's this like, you know, this sense of feeling that we're supposed to do something, we need to know about it. But also, it's like we're experiencing, right? It's not, we weren't there. We were not, you know, part of this, you know, terrible incident. But we are experiencing a very small amount of trauma every time we do that to ourselves. Right. Um, and, And this is why, right, that secondary trauma, we have to treat it like what it is, which is trauma. And Mm -hmm. it's going to persist, right? We can't just bubble bath it away, (laughs) right? (laughs) Send your bubble bath after work. Yeah, we can't just bubble bath it away. We can't just yoga it away. It's going to persist no matter what your self-care routine is because it's not just 
I have too much paperwork. It's also on top of that, I'm experiencing these traumas over time. Okay. And then, uh, and so, you know what people try to do, right? Usually you end up leaving your job and just getting a different job. And if it's just burnout and you get a different job and things are fine, you know, it was just burnout, but often what happens is it persists. It just kind of follows you wherever you go. Yeah, if it's, if it's compassion yeah. fatigue. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why it's like, okay, we got to treat it like trauma. Okay. Um, sometimes it also includes a third piece called moral injury, which I've been learning about. It's very Ooh, I've not heard about that. Yeah. Let me tell you about it's this. It's all new to me, Mary. I know. Moral injury it's is, awesome. and it, I think you'll, you'll really understand this, Kisa, even as like a teacher, even though it's mm-hmm. more something that we teach about in healthcare. So mm-hmm. it's the suffering we are caused by having to constantly make decisions to either like fight the administration, the insurance mm-hmm. company, the system to make the best choices for our patients. Or on the other hand of that, the suffering caused by acting against our moral compass, acting out of integrity and following the orders, denying care or giving less than what our patients need because of um, the way the system is run. Right. Okay. Right. And so it's, it's a deep suffering when we do it to ourselves over and over again, right? Because we are Mm -hmm. acting, you know, every single one of us believes that, you know, do no harm is the number one principle, right? Mm -hmm. and a lot of times those orders, those decisions in a way are doing some harm and we know it on, on a level. And so that's called moral injury. So that's just a piece of it. Um, so compassion fatigue from the outside looks a lot like burnout, right? Like you'll go through the symptoms and you'll be like, okay, like I, from, from the symptoms list, I wouldn't know whether it's compassion fatigue or burnout. Mm-hmm. It's just that the cause of it is more complex, which is why it doesn't go away when you just switch jobs. Okay. And you can see why compassion fatigue would need an extra level of care. Okay. And so although the process of taking care of compassion fatigue is far more complicated than what we can teach you here, there's like a few steps that you can take right now, which is awesome. We, what should we do, Mary? So Kisa, and hopefully you're, I think Kisa, you're in a good place where you're not going to be experiencing this. Yeah. But if you are in a place where you imagine that you will be experiencing some secondary trauma, mm-hmm. again, that includes you mamas, right? Our babies, our babies fall and scrape up their knees and our babies are like traumatized. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you go through a little it, bit of trauma. Yeah, you can feel it. It's like in your yeah. gut. Yeah, it's like you go through <laughs> your own, right? Like it's not about you, but it like in your heart of hearts, you're also really suffering. Yeah. So that's why I say, you know, also, also the moms in this world, Kisa, Mm -hmm. pay attention. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Paying attention, Mary. (laughs) Okay. So number one is find yourself an accountability partner. So this can be somebody at work, a friend, a family member, but it has to be somebody who you're going to be able to count on to follow some important instructions for this particular purpose. So it might not be the friend that like you go hiking with and complain with for like an hour and a half. It's probably somebody else who's going to only like fill this specific job. Uh So this person, you need to give them permission to call you out when you're displaying the signs of burnout or compassion fatigue, right? So you're going to be like, Hey, listen, I give you permission to be like, you need to take care of yourself. Okay. Because a lot of times we can't see it. They describe Mm -hmm. it as like um, a frog boiling in a, like a slowly heating up pot of water. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So God, it's such a terrible analogy. I'm sorry. But anyway, it's like the frogs don't notice if you put them in lukewarm water and then you slowly heat up the water and they just stay there because they don't notice that they're burning up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's you with compassion fatigue. Don't do that to yourself. 
Don't do that. So you need somebody to point out to you that you're like, you're really struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, And then commit to paying attention when they tell you. Yeah. Second. So you need to set up meetings with this person at regular intervals. It doesn't need to be weekly, right? But like monthly, every other month is fine. And during those meetings, you're going to share the traumatic stress stories that you've experienced. And this is super important with a fully relaxed body. And this is like, this alone is super helpful for, um, for at least mitigating the pain of the traumas that are coming up and is really helpful to the trauma that you've experienced in the past, right? But you have to mm-hmm. practice having a fully relaxed body and then being able to tell the story of, what, um, of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So don't worry about causing them tertiary trauma, right? Which is like, somebody told me about their trauma, so I have secondary trauma, and then I tell my secondary trauma to a third person. It doesn't really traumatize them. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of research on that. So it's okay. Um, but this person should be asked, like, don't try to fix it, right? Don't give advice. You're not to bring the subject onto their own traumas, right? You know, sometimes when you're talking to somebody and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you about a client of mine. And it's like, no, that's not what this is for, right? I need to be able to kind of tell this story from the beginning to the end with a relaxed body so that I can tell my nervous system that it's safe. Okay. Which is really interesting, right? Because the first time I went through the secondary trauma. My body was in a state of, um, you know, fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And so this time I want to tell the story and be in a relaxed state. Um, And so this is just a time for that other person to listen without comment or feedback and just provide a space for you to share in a safe place. Mm -hmm. And then of course, in return, you should do the same for this person. Right. And just take turns doing that. Yeah. Right. It's like a really, really helpful way to, even if it's just burnout, it's a really great way to express and get off your chest the stress that you're going through. Um, number two, there's a really cool tool called a personal compassion fatigue timeline. And I'm going to provide that for you guys. So they've found it's really helpful to create a timeline of your history of compassion fatigue and burnout. And so it's basically, it's literally like you could draw it for yourself. It's literally just like an arrow with two, two points And it goes from, you know, when you first started working at one end to the present. Mm -hmm. And then on a scale of one to 10, it's like, okay, when you first started working, were you a negative 10, positive 10, somewhere in between? And you got your next job. When you, that traumatic thing happened, where were you on the burnout scale? Mm -hmm. And um, this is so that you have more information, one, about what to share with your accountability partner, right? Because you want to share those stories. And then as well to help you see that it's not your fault because it happens to so many of us. Mm-hmm. And so one of the great things about these tools is being able to share them with other people because we have to, we have to end the stigma of healthcare professionals, helping professionals not being able to take care of themselves, right? It's like we all go through it, but we pretend we don't. Yeah. So it's really good to share. A third one. So these two I have, um, there's worksheets and I'm going to share an example of these. So we're not going to be able to go into detail, but for sure you can ask more questions later and I'll just kind of prepare. I have an an example of mine. And then if you want more information, you can contact me and I'll kind of walk you through the questions. So number three is create a covenant or mission statement. A covenant and mission statement kind of helps you stay aligned, right? It's designed to provide the author, you, with direction, purpose, and motivation towards actualizing all of their potential, both professional and personal 
Um, and so it basically gives you a compass, right? It's like, okay, I'm really clear about my mission statement. Mm-hmm. So when administration gives me an order to do something, I know that I have committed to following my mission statement. And so it mm-hmm. makes it much easier, quote unquote, easier, right? <laughs> it gives you gives you a little bit of a um, some strength in saying no or having a better argument against. Right. So definitely email me, you know, if you want an example of, uh, example of that, if you want the questions to walk through it. Um, so here's my, here's my mission and covenant, which is, it's just a first draft. I didn't even, I didn't read through it um, since I wrote it. It probably needs another go-to, but it's just kind of an example, right? So my mission is to show up every day to share love, compassion, peace, acceptance, and joy with whomever I am around. It's to model self-care behavior to take life seriously every moment and then not at all seriously all at the same time (laughs) to know and believe that I will be taken care of and that there's nothing to fear that I can be myself and say what I believe and that it is the right time and place for it. That other people are going to judge and have opinions of me and it is none of my business Mm -hmm. that I can both be an agent of change and at the same time have zero ability or responsibility to do anything for anyone else. I will truly believe and stay true to my belief that others are living the life that is right and the best life for them at all times, that they are 100% worthy and valuable regardless of actions, thoughts, looks, or history. I will truly believe and stay true to my belief that I am 100% worthy and valuable no matter what, and that I always have been 100% worthy and valuable since the dawn of my existence, as have all the other humans, creatures, and things on this planet regardless of cognition. (laughs) Well, I got fancy on that one. Wow. (laughs) And although I believe in the worthiness and value of all of it, I will always remember that it is not my job or my place to fix anything. It is not my job to take away suffering. It is not my job to decide what someone should or shouldn't be doing with their life. It is not my job to decide what another human wants to believe about themselves or others, no matter how destructive it may look from my perspective. I am a person who will not be afraid of perceived threats I will be able to see the world with clear eyes and respond to the present moment with intention and clarity. And I will strive to always be a kind, compassionate person. I want my obituary to read that I lived a full life full of joy, peace, and connection, that I showed up no matter what, that I showed others how to spread joy and love by taking pleasure in loving themselves first, and that my short existence on this planet was in service to spreading the knowledge that there is enough for us all. Wow, Mary. The end. There were some questions. There were some questions that helped me come up with that, but I really like it. Yeah. (laughs) I just made it up before this. (laughs) Um, So there is like, there's a process, right. Of thinking about, um, you know, what do I believe? What do I want for other people? Um, And it's really fun and it's really great. And um, it's really powerful to have that, you know, as a backup, as your guide. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last thing, right? Because that was number three. The last thing is to create a professional resilience plan. And obviously, it's probably more complicated that we could go into here, but you can come up with your own, right? Like outline all of the steps that you're going to take to promote health. And that's it. So those are four four things you can do for compassion fatigue. Awesome, Mary. Uh, Those are some great tips. I think I'm going to, I like the, the, mission statement. Mm-hmm. And then I also like at the very end, like a uh, professional resilience plan. Yeah. Like what are you going to do mm-hmm. to help with 
compassion fatigue or to help with burnout. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just um, a plan to have good boundaries or a plan Mm -hmm. to, right. Sometimes it's not always about compassion fatigue, but I think being able to plan ahead to make sure that you're resilient in your job, right? So if mm-hmm. an administrator is telling you to do something that you're like, what, are you kidding me, right? This <laughs> person needs this. You're telling me to give them the minimum, which is right. not yeah. for their care. So mm-hmm. what is my plan for all of those kinds of situations? Okay, awesome. Yep. Thanks for sharing, Mary. That's yeah. great. It's one of my favorite topics. So people, please contact me. I'll talk to yeah. you. I'll talk your ear off about it. <laughs> uh, so Mary, do you have five tips for us? I do. And they're mostly a review. So we'll just go through them okay. really quickly. Okay. Um, just because I already gave you so much information to give you five yeah. more tips would be kind of overwhelming. So just kind of a review. Yes. So five t- tips to help you manage burnout. So one, take that attached self-care assessment. That's the easiest of all of these things, right? Super easy. Yeah. Go print it out, check off um, each one that you're having trouble with, or I like to rate it on a scale of one to five. And so, you know, if things are all at a one, it's like, okay, I have a problem. If there's just a couple things that you're like, okay, I could improve on those, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you can just make a plan to improve on those. Um, two, really good idea to figure out if it's just burnout or if you're also, expe- excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what just came out of my mouth. <laughs> wow. So two, let me start mm-hmm. again. Okay. My words. Number two is figure out if it's burnout or if you're also expecting also experiencing. Oh my gosh, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're also experiencing compassion fatigue, oh. figure out the difference. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Tip number two, just we'll skip it. <laughs> Three, get some support, right? Find that accountability partner or a group if there's a good group around. Number four, create that mission statement and you can have my example or contact me for more questions and a way to create one for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then five is always, I really love to plan ahead, right? As always mm-hmm. goes a really long way in helping you with whatever you're trying to do. Yes. So yes. you can like look at your graphic timeline, determine ways you can both heal the secondary trauma in the past you've already experienced as well as a plan for how to mitigate the effects of any future vicarious traumas mm-hmm. or just, you know, any, any difficult situations you might be in. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So much, Mary. That's, yeah, like you said, that's a ton of information. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think I'm going to do a few things. Yeah. Like the the mission statement and the resilience plan. Excellent. Yeah, it's a lot of info, but we we always share the transcript, you guys. So, Mm -hmm. if it's a lot of info or there's like words that you're like, oh, I kind of missed that. Um, it's a lot of important information though. So if you have questions, send us questions and we can also break it down for you. We can talk about little pieces of it in a podcast because that is a lot of info. Yeah. All right. Okie dokie friends. (laughs) That's all we've got for you today. Just a little, yeah, just just a touch of info. (laughs) Thanks for being awesome. And as always, and listening in, definitely tune into our next episode where we talk about, Ooh, one of my favorites, technology. Using technology such as Netflix or Facebook as distractors in our lives. I do that a lot. That's still mm-hmm. my favorite buffer. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to know more about us, and if you have any questions or comments, head on over to our dedicated Facebook group. You can also contact me at my website at maryelisepreston.com 
or you can find Kisa at her website at www.kisaamaro.com. And that's K-E-Y-S-A-A-M-A-R-O.com. Awesome. And if you know someone who you think would benefit from the information shared on our podcast, please share this episode with them. We want to extend our message to and support as many people as possible, and we need your help to get our message out. We would greatly appreciate your help in reaching out to people who could benefit from our podcast. Definitely. And send them our way for all of those links and the program as well. Yeah. And if you enjoyed the show, we would really love it if you would leave us an honest review on iTunes. Just go to the iTunes, just go to the iTunes website, search for the podcast page, hit the tab for ratings and reviews, and click on write a review. That's it. Super helpful. Thanks, friends. Awesome.